Welcome to Some Assembly Required, a bi-weekly design podcast where we discuss a range of topics from tech, industrial and product design, and sustainability. I'm Pablo Samoines. And I'm George Wyeth. We're both product designers from the University of Sussex. This is episode 10, Golden Scars. Last episode, we chatted with our expert lecturer, Claire Potter, about all the things circular economy and how we can live more sustainable lives. Be sure to check out that episode and any others that take your fancy after this. So today we are discussing, as we said before, golden scars or kintsugi. Yeah, so it's a Japanese um, technique that's, I think it's definitely become quite trendy, even in the Western uh, cultures more recently, uh, just to, it's aesthetic. But it's a really interesting idea. So it's basically just a Japanese repair art for like broken pottery and all those sort of things. So as uh, you, you listener, um, or, or George, you, you'll have heard you'd have heard of this. It's 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 when they repair pots using gold that kind of like fills the cracks, so it kind of highlights the imperfections. Yeah, it's yeah, it's I, I mean, as I said, I, it's become quite trendy. I can see why because I really like it, the the look of it. Um, but yeah, it's so when they've broken the pot, they then put all the bits back together and. Cover the cracks, seal the cracks with this gold um, lacquer resin, basically. But it's um, it ends up just looking like it's got this sort of seam of gold. And obviously, because it's where it's fractured, it it's always completely kind of random the way it breaks. It's it's not just like a straight line. It's these little jagged lines, which is very cool. Yeah, and so the name actually comes from Japanese. Obviously, um, <laughs> but it it literally translates from ga- Japanese as golden joinery. So it's kin is golden, and the tsugi is uh, joinery. Apparently, uh-huh. so that's a bit of fun trivia for you, word people. A bit of fun trivia, and a little history would say, kind of, yeah, where did where did it come from? Yeah, so I was having a little look, having a little look around the internet as we do, um, and yeah, so basically. Apparently, Asian cultures have used lacquer as a crafting material for a long time, and I didn't realize it would be this, this like go back this far because lacquers and resins seem like quite modern materials to me. But this, so this kind of surprised me. Um, so there's sophisticated examples. They actually used it for like making artistic pots and and pans and those sort of cups, that sort of um, Oriental style. So there's examples of that from the Shang Dynasty, which was from sixteen. 16- to 1046 BC. So that's a long time ago. And apparently the earliest example was from around 5000 BC. And it was just like a sort of, I mean, it was a very crude looking sort of pot. Um, But apparently that was used for lacquer. Um, So they, yeah, so they've used lacquer as a building material for quite a long time, which surprised me. I didn't, so, so lacquers are what? They're kind of a resin based material? Yeah, see, this is this is why I I was quite surprised. Like they they're clearly natural because they wouldn't have what five thousand BC. They wouldn't have had uh, um, much in terms of, of man-made materials. Then. No, or fossil fuel-based plastics like we have now and resins. But so yeah, I'm guessing it must be from tree saps and stuff like that that they've managed to make. This, this 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 material. I mean, I think I think lacquer. I tell you what, let's have a quick quick Google. Let's have a quick search as to what exactly it is, because I think lacquer can be used as a bit of a 
blanket terminology for things. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's it's kind of more of a technique more than just like one specific material. Um, so the, yeah, so the term lacquer is used for a number of hard and potentially shiny finishes applied to materials. Um, okay. So yeah, it's it's come from resinous secretion. That's a fun one. <laughs> that is a fun word. Resinous secretions that are then mixed with a golden powder. It's sometimes actual gold. It's sometimes just coloured so. Yeah. So they yeah. So they used. So the lacquer is normally clear, but looks of things, and this comes from. Really, yeah, it comes from trees and dried out saps and all these sort of things. Um, and for the kintsugi, yeah, they use. They use sort of gold. It doesn't have to be gold, but I think it's clearly traditionally gold, seeing as yeah, it's... Traditionally, the gold, the gold colour was a... I mean, what was the first kind of usage of it that it was supposed to have come from? So I found this. So apparently, this, this is actually quite an interesting... It's quite a funny one. So it's a, um, apparently it's from the 15th century. So there's a Japanese military shogun commander called Ashikaga Yoshi, Yoshimasa. Apologies to you Japanese-speaking listeners. I, I'm not probably got that wrong in pronunciation <laughs> but anyway, so he, he apparently broke his favorite chinese tea bowl and um he was very disappointed he like obviously it was his favorite bowl and so he sent it back to china to be repaired now and that kind of made me laugh because that feels quite fun like modern that feels yeah. very modern the idea of sending something back to china for it to be repaired um but yeah so he sent he sent this back to china um but he was very disappointed when he re- received it again and it was not to his quality. Yeah, so they fixed it. Um, it was very crude. They basically put it back together. And I mean, the way that I read and was it was described was like it was being stapled. And but obviously they don't have staple guns back then. So I think they had sort of like metal pins that had kind of mm. been glued across the seams or in in some way to hold it together. And he was not happy with it. So he he got some local craftsmen to make it more aesthetically pleasing. And obviously with their knowledge of using lacquers they came up with just filling the cracks with lacquer that they've mixed with sort of powdered gold and yeah and then the kintsugi was born from that apparently and he liked it enough that it became an entire form of design that's now being kind of reimagined in many many modern ways yeah yeah it's definitely you know people are bringing it into all sorts of things i mean people nowadays are doing it breaking things on purpose to just get it kintsugi kintsugiified yeah. Um, and I think that's that's a really kind of, I guess it's a representation of like how design exists today is obviously you have people coming up with new concepts, but you have an awful lot of taking old ideas, but doing it in the kind of consumerist modern form. Yeah. Which unfortunately is, oh, this is supposed to be a form of kind of repair and highlighting imperfection, but I'm sure there's now an entire kind of grading system of like, oh, we're going to make a Kintsugi inspired pot. But like, it better be perfect, you know. <laughs> yes, ironically, that is they. There's probably a warehouse full somewhere of um, kintsugi-styled pots that didn't meet the criteria, the standards that they have for them. Exactly. So they, you know, had a whole quality um, quality control. The entire quality control system of some company that's making these things will have gone. Oh yeah, this pot's not, you know, round enough or has some little imperfection on the chipping of the edges and that was the entire idea of the design form that it's you know used yeah so apparently it it kind of stems from this um broader japanese philosophy and 
aesthetic of that's called Wabi Sabi. Um, and it's it's basically the difference in their ideas of beauty. So in, in Japanese and more Buddhist sort of cultures, they have a, an idea of beauty coming from the sort of impermanence and imperfection, whereas a lot of Western cultures have more ideas of beauty being sort of from symmetry and geometry. And mm. I, I, I kind of, I, the way I almost see it is like the Western cultures see beauty as perfection, whereas the Japanese and, and Eastern cultures have a more of an idea of beauty being imperfection. It's so a kind of a yin, yin and yang, as you could say. Oh. So it's, it's almost a kind of idea of this is unique, which is what makes it beautiful, as opposed to this is kind of defined and, yeah, perfect. Mm. Yeah. And so then the, the whole Kintsugi idea comes from, you know, the, 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 the bowl might have been broken, um, but it can be put back together. So it's not the end of its, end of its life, but it's just simply a part of its, its story or its journey you could mm. i suppose you could say if you want to be poetic about it you could be poetic about it um but that that ties quite nicely into what we were talking about our last episode with claire about about repair and um keeping materials in loop it does indeed So I guess that begs the question, where are we now in terms of like, you know, what are some Kintsugi designs today that we're seeing or that are popular or all? Yeah, I mean, it's mostly still around the pottery. I definitely see a lot, a plenty of examples with bowls and plates. And I kind of, it's, it's almost part of the minimalist um, styling, I feel now, because it's often, you'll see the very sort of earthy toned sort of, um, ceramics mm. that just almost look like they're sort of made of stone and then they'll have the it'll be broken and it'll have the the gold highlights along the cracks and i mean i, I like i like the style myself what about you yeah no I'm a, I'm a fan of it i think it's a it's interesting that what you know was originally a very much let's kind of fix something it's bec- because it was so common in kind of pots and crockery there's not been a lot of moving it into other mediums no, and I guess it's quite quite difficult to move to other mediums because the whole the way it works is is where it breaks and like it's you need something like ceramics that can break in a way like that. I wonder if there's um much use of it in glass. Interesting. Yeah. Certain types of glass don't shatter. They sort of just break into pieces, so maybe maybe it could be done in that sense. I'm not sure. That's a, that's an interesting point. I think it's you know it really kind of raises how has this grown. And I see you noted down a basketball court that was kind of kintsugified. Mm. Yeah, I found this one online. It's it's really interesting. So it's a guy called Victor Solomon, and it's an LA basketball court that it actually it only happened last year. So it was sort of during the pandemic and stuff that they did it. I guess because it wasn't being used. Um, but it was a concrete basketball court that's, uh, yeah, it's got cracks, all cracked all over, and there's weeds growing out of it. And so basically they just, they just cleaned out all the cracks. Mm. I wonder what material they actually used for that. I think it was fairly s- similar. Let me just scroll back down to the bit where I saw it. So yeah, they filled, yeah, okay, so they filled it with resin mixed with glitter 
um, okay. before adding another layer of pigment, which was dusted on top. So it, it looks like the sort of gold of Kintsugi. And but obviously on a basketball court state. Clearly, clearly they've used resin. It was probably it was yeah, it was probably a modern type of resin and and glitter rather than actual gold because <laughs> it would be a lot of gold to make, to do this um, on the scale. But it looks really cool. I was saying when I was before we started recording that it almost looks like the basketball court's been struck by lightning. Yes, and because it, it's just sort of fanning out of all these cracks all over the place, and they're just gold shining. So then, of course, it raises the question, which came first, lightning or the pot? (laughs) (laughs) I think, unlike the chicken and the egg, I think I can confidently say that the lightning came first in this example. I would I would agree. But I think what's what's interesting about this and kind of why we've started discussing it a little bit is I think it links really well to some modern kind of. I mean, you know, we've talked about ideals a little bit, but also. The kind of DIY culture around things. So, mm. you know, that there are people who are very big proponents of, you know, do this yourself, make do with what you have, kind of jumbled some stuff together to solve your thing. Yet that exists concurrently with the idea of something has to be kind of perfect and pristine out of the box. You know, we got our new iPhones and before touching them, we put them in a case mm-hmm. to hide, you know, their design just so that they never get damaged. Yeah. I mean, it, everything about phones nowadays is protecting them from any form of damage, and it's yeah. it's mostly because they're so expensive, I guess. But um, but yeah, so you you get a new phone, you put a cover on it, you put a screen protector on it. See, that's one of the things that makes me laugh about the screen protectors. Actually, is people put these screen protectors on, they drop their phone, and then the screen protector breaks. And sure, the screen underneath's not broken, but you're still using a phone with all these cracks all over it. Yeah, well, I, what I what I don't understand is why people don't then replace the screen protector. So that's the whole point. Yeah, I mean, I think that know, is. I guess it's laziness, isn't it? Yeah, I, I've got a screen protector on my phone, but I, just, I haven't broken it. I'm one of those risky people that doesn't. I've got a case, but I don't have a screen protector. Interesting. Yeah, you see, I'm 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 a big proponent of absolutely using both. I have got a chip on my screen because I dropped my phone on my drive not long after I got it. Oh. Um, it's only in the slight corner. Okay, that's and I can live with yeah. It. I I I'm always since the whichever iPhone it was where they switched to glass backs. I'm yes. now perpetually terrified of. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, because they just basically they they doubled the they doubled the breakable surface area is what they did. <laughs> yeah. Before, if it landed on its back, you'd be like, oh, okay, it's landed on its back. But now, no, if it lands on its back, it can crack the back instead. Indeed. But yeah, the DIY culture that links to this is interesting and kind of the idea of something being kind of modular and being made of smaller pieces. I think where this probably comes out the most is designs where instead of fusing two separate materials together perfectly, it's become a lot more trendy now to have like an LED strip between the two. Yeah. I wouldn't say is directly pulled from Kintsugi, but it's definitely inspired. You know, you can see that, oh, let's have something bright and colourful. It's just we're doing the modern alternative of it's an LED. Yeah. I'm, yeah, it's definitely... I think, the, I think the interesting thing with Kintsugi is, is just the idea behind it. More mm. than... Because obviously the, the way it transpires in their pottery is very much a, a certain style. But... Yeah, the idea of 
you know, always taking these things. And it's not about hiding the imperfections and, oh, no, I've broken it. I need to make sure it is repaired back so that it doesn't even look like it was ever broken. It's actually kind of taking it and going, well, yeah, it broke, but that's just part of what happens with with these things, you know? Yeah, that's just how they are. Yeah, and so you can still put it back together, mend it, and use it, and see that it was broken, but it's still in use. Hmm. Indeed. Are there any other ways you can imagine kind of it being incorporated or pulled into a modern design aesthetic? Um, I mean, I'm not sure. I feel like... So obviously the the basketball court thing, I definitely think it could be used in architecture more, and there's probably more examples that I just didn't manage to find of... I mean, like, the example of the concrete floor, like, concrete flooring, like, polished concrete actually is a a thing that a lot of trendy architecture um, firms and houses use nowadays yeah. as... I mean, again, I quite like, like it. It does look quite cool, in my opinion. And I could totally see them intentionally leaving cracks in it to then fill with these sort of things. I mean, I guess it's a bit like those sort of resin tables. So you know where people would get the, like they'd get a log or some a, a bit of wood, distressed oak. Yeah. So where it's got all the cracks <laughs> down, or it's got like the the core of it is all sort of like broken away, mm. and then they fill it with resin or glass or something like that, so that you get this this wooden table that has these sort of like cracks all running down it. I mean, I could totally see people using the gold styling. <laughs> Yeah, that, I mean, that's a design style that I really love is that it's, you know, it's natural and it's very kind of non-manufactured, but it's also not dealing with the fact that you have a table with a hole in the middle of it. <laughs> yeah. You know, because we, we've got a, uh, this is at home in Nairobi, we have like a table in the, um, actually, you know what? It's my desk. It's the desk in my bedroom that had like a knot of wood in it. And I really liked it. So when I when the desk was made, I was just like, yeah, let's just leave that there. Which means that there's a hole in my desk. Mm. Um, it's usually covered by the mouse pad, so it's not a problem. But like, in it's it's a, I, I I always used it as a quick access to the drawer. You could just drop a pen through, and it would be in the drawer below. <laughs> it was quite cool. But you know, like the modern version of that, the Kintsugi version of that, would be filling that hole with a kind of golden or clear resin, so mm. that you still had the effect without the actual. Oh, I've dropped something in my desk hole. Yeah. Yeah. The impracticality of having exactly. cracks and holes in things you're trying to use. It's avoiding impracticality. Yeah. So no, I think I think furniture and interior design definitely is going to use it quite a lot. Yeah. I mean, I'd I'd love to see it in basically just something else besides pots. Yeah, it's 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 a very cool design, and you know if you search it online, all you get are people on Etsy making their pots, mm. and it's like cool. I'd like to see it in, you know, I don't know, speakers. Yeah, well, I guess it would, I it guess would look cool on a speaker. Nowadays, it would look pretty cool on a speaker, actually. I think what's kind of interesting is it's also used stylistically without the um, the actual need of having cracks and resin and those sort of things because people do just make i mean i feel like i've seen plenty of phone cases as we were talking about phones earlier mm. that have that sort of look to them and obviously there's not it's not a phone case with cracks in it that's then been sealed back up it's literally just like a printed phone case which has those sort of style cracks in it 
Yeah, Although which the, I think is a step better than breaking something on purpose to fix it. Yeah. Although the irony, I suppose, with that is that they'll have a one certain like design which might look like something that could happen from breaking it, but then they'll mass produce that same one so that everyone would have exactly the same cracks, which yeah loses that individuality of it. I it, suppose it does. It loses the uniqueness, and it kind of reminds me of those um, back when everyone had like flip phones. Those things that would go around where you could text someone a picture of a broken screen and because of the way the flip phones worked that you know you could totally surprise someone with that yeah yeah do you remember those i i vaguely remember them i didn't i don't think i had a flip phone my school that i was at we when, when people got their first phones it was all about the blackberries oh <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I had i had one of those kind of brick phones at first and they were the ones where if you sent a text with a picture in it the second you opened the text, the picture would just full screen, <laughs> which meant that if you sent someone a broken screen picture, in theory, you could get them with it. And that's always fun. Exactly, but... It's always fun to mess people around like that, isn't it? Always. Um, but yeah, so I think it's it's a fun, it's a fun design, and it's actually. So I was looking a little bit. Obviously, the sort of original techniques are probably. And traditional techniques, I suppose, are probably a little bit more uh, time-consuming and specialised. But you mm. can actually get the same effect pretty easily. Um, you can, if you broke a bowl and you liked it and you wanted to put it back together, you can just get sort of standard glues um, for that sort of ceramic glue. And then you can get a sort of gold like resin sort of thing. It probably won't have actual gold in it unless you want to spend you a lot of money. mix into the ceramic glue? Well, either you mix it into the ceramic glue or you literally glue it all together and then... Because because where it will break, it's not going to fill... If you glued it back together, it's not necessarily going to get rid of the crack. Like There'll still be a, a small gap um, on the sort of outside of the crack. And then you sort of... I think you can just sort of almost sand those the, the edges of the cracks down to smooth them out and then put a little bit of the gold over it. That's very cool. And so actually, yeah, it's it's not too hard to achieve, so... If anyone listening breaks a pot that they really like in in future, mm. it's, it's always a possibility. Just don't um, break it on purpose in order to do this. Yeah, I mean you can, but you it's can, um, but it does lose the think point about your of it choices. slightly. Because I think what's fun about the, this is that because it's highlighting these imperfections, you know, when you use that bowl, you'll go, "Yep, I remember when I accidentally dropped this when I was trying to put it into the dishwasher." And it broke, but I'm still using it, and that's beautiful. Whereas if you pick it up and you go, "Yep, I remember when I picked up a hammer and smashed this on purpose." I mean, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's what you may, you enjoy. I'm sure smashing a bowl with a hammer is probably quite cathartic. Yeah, but it's not quite what you're going for, is it? No. I mean, who knows? Maybe it is. I suppose. I suppose you. I think as long as you've got good reasoning behind it, do what you want. Yeah. And I guess if you've got maybe, to be fair, maybe you've got an old bowl that you don't really like anymore. It's a bit outdated in its styling and it's better to smash it and repair it into a Kintsuki style, which is more modernized and that you like than, I say modernized, this is an old technique, but it's just quite popular modern. It's trendy. It's trendy at the moment. Um, But yeah, that's probably better than just throwing the the bowl away and buying a new one. So yeah, if you want to break it, break it. (laughs) I think we'll leave it there. Yeah, I think it's a good place to leave it. 
If you want to break your pots, break them. Break them. Power to you. Power to you. And you also have the power to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Then you'll never miss an episode. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends, family, co-workers. And who else are we sharing it with? You could share it with your um, favorite Japanese shogun. Share it with your shogun. <laughs> <laughs> Unlike videos and blogs, uh, we have no algorithm for recommendations and we rely on your word of mouth as our listeners. Yep, we do indeed. So follow us on Instagram at assemble.it for a deeper look into the show and our own work, including behind the scenes, outtakes, projects, and updates. Uh, once more, remember to subscribe to the podcast and share it among your friends, family, co-workers, and your favorite shogun. We'll see you in two weeks with our next episode. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Some Assembly Required is co-hosted and produced by Pablo Samoilis and George Wyeth. And edited by George Wyeth. Music is by Mikey Burtwistle. This is a 7-6 podcasting production.